Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Today we're going to learn about how news brands can win over young audiences. Modern digital companies like Netflix, Klarna, Vinted, TikTok, they all seem to be a hit with Gen Z, not just for the services they offer, but how these companies relate to them on a personal level. News companies can learn a lot from the appeal of these brands, says this week's guest, Danuta Bragua. She's a content and revenue expert, a former director of subscription strategy at Gazeta Wyborcza in Poland, and the co-author of the recent report, How Publishers Can Grow With Today's Youth. The paper details how the expectations of young audiences are being shaped by social media and other digital services and what news brands can stand to learn from them. Stay tuned for actionable tips to help young audiences find your content more appealing, your products more user-friendly and your overall brand more likeable. That's all coming up, so don't go anywhere. Danuta, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me, Jacob. Danuta, I understand a little known fact about you is that you're something of an art aficionado, something of an emerging art collector. Um, what sort of art do you collect? What are you into? It's uh, contemporary art, uh, experimental art, uh, installations rather than regular paintings. I learn a lot uh, from every artist I meet. Uh, so uh, it keeps changing. Um, yeah, I try to draw inspirations from uh, many spheres that are not uh, linked in obvious ways. And sometimes that gives me this uh, good uh, starting point for observations also about my professional field. Like what? What kind of inspiration does it give you? I see some similarities between journalism and art, which is narrative and giving things uh, the context. But uh, whereas uh, journalism gives a larger context to some micro events happening uh, that you can observe, then art to me mostly gives me uh, the like micro perspective on uh, why things are being perceived this way or not. And, you know, in my report, I uh, focused on uh, some universal anxieties that the society, especially the youth, is experiencing currently. Let's go into that then, because outside of, you know, your passion in art, you, you've also written a, a brilliant report about how, how news publishers can grow with today's youth. So what did you really want to explore there? What, what was the, what's the subject about and what have you wanted to um, find in that report? Mm-hmm. First of all, um, I wouldn't write it without my uh, brilliant co-author, uh, Lisbeth Nizet, who is the managing uh, director at Mother Economics. I'm mentioning that uh, not only because we wrote it together, but uh, um, I wanted to, to highlight the fact that although it the report feels very complex and there are uh, many ideas coming from sociology uh, discussed in it, like... Uh, Lisbeth and I, we both work and have experience in the business side of the media industry. And we tried uh, not to lose that perspective, which is like uh, ensuring sustainability, mm. business sustainability of uh, media outlets, not only the you know relevance, but also like survival. Yeah. What I love about it is that you look outside of the news industry for inspirations and how other sectors, industries are 
building products, I suppose, that the youth love and are willing to pay for? Well, if publishers will continue to just learn from each other, we will never be at the forefront of innovations because this is not the industry nowadays that is known for being at the forefront of innovations. So that's one thing. We just felt that uh, also it can get a little bit disheartening for like mid-sized smaller publishers when you like read or uh, hear about uh, uh, wonderful uh, shiny success cases from overseas, from the companies that are, uh, you know, like uh, thriving uh, or, you know, like we have like big investors and so on. And then you get back to your uh, little newsroom and you feel that you can't really do that much. And then you try to do as much as you can. And then you launch it two years after when uh, the, the solution is not relevant anymore. Right. So it's like we just wanted to move the needle a little bit because sometimes the inspiration, you can get the, the right inspirations from, from you from other industries than, than media. It's quite refreshing. And uh, yeah, the, of course, not every answer is out there, but many answers are already available. And um, yeah, so so that was the, the initial idea. We also wanted to... Um, yeah, learn what's behind the the general term of like how to approach Gen Z because it became something like currently AI. Like you know, everybody has something different in mind. So uh, that's that. But it's not a scientific uh, scientific piece. It's not a behavioral study of younger generations. It's uh, our contribution as millennial professionals from the media industry. Our contribution to. Uh, our colleagues' industry conferences this fall. Yeah, I, I I do agree with you on that point. That when it comes to Gen Z in particular, what your report really does show is when you really dig into it, how nuanced and different their values are, their interests are, their passions. What really makes them tick? And what I really sense from from your answer there is there's 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 an urgency, frankly, for media organisations to figure this out and and perhaps change the ways that they're catering towards young audiences would you agree with that yeah absolutely and what do we know for sure because that's been also attested by other industries that time war strategies won't work here so uh, there are publishers that are assuming that the youth will uh, someday kind of like get mature and understand the value of uh, say our journalists our brand and one thing that most strategists uh, agree on is that some shifts uh, in the behavior of people are not temporary, right? There are some temporary things that are like very uh, that you can assign to certain age or phase of of life, like students, right? Mm-hmm. But some shifts are not temporary. So um, this common belief that one day they will get mature and start acting like previous generations is a little bit naive, or I would dare to say arrogant. They will get serious with time, but possibly about somebody else's product or brand. So, uh, so that's the challenge here. And uh, uh, because the, the 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 outside world, the the landscape that the media publishers are operating in right now changed completely. Yeah. So, um, like we were thinking about uh, the end goal here, right? Because it, if your goal is company's business sustainability then probably 
it's enough to like in a way sorry for this like marketing buzzword but um like milk the these audiences that you already have and don't worry about the youth right but if we think about the end goal in a different way that um that this is a way of ensuring democratic values in our societies then you just can't uh turn the blind eye right just you just can't so uh i'm coming from a country when you can't take democratic values for granted so i think about it uh all the time it's striking that you know i know this is jumping forward in the report slightly but when you look at the brands that young people do love they're often platforms and services like dating apps like tinder credit providers like klarna spotify uh vintage tiktok and they're not taking the approach of let's you know wait until they're mature enough for us to appeal to them they're getting in early and setting their communication strategy in a way to appeal to them when they're young and i think that's the key difference isn't it yeah and it's these uh exactly these brands that that you listed that are shaping the expectations of the youth no matter the services and uh in their eyes our journalism is the the service they get right so we can't just ignore how their expectations are shaped and um uh, but we can see some things that the most effective communicating strategies have in common. So uh, in the report, we cover a little bit relatability. So uh, the way uh, media and other brands, platforms, but here we're talking about media, like should talk to them, like even like talk with them and not at them, right? And the most effective uh, brands uh, are really thriving thanks to this approach. Uh, another thing is authenticity and clarity. So with this generation, there's no room for bullshit. They um, like they prefer conversational style, right? They do- hate filters, stock photos. They have this bullshit detector. We really cover that uh, extensively in the report. Like they have this allergy to pink washing, green washing, violet washing, all the colors of washing, all the emanations of that. That's really important because um, sometimes uh, media publishers also face backlash because they're not really applying what they preach in on the inside of their organizations. So, you know, practice what you preach, say, uh, let's say when uh, we uh, publicly discuss uh, like fair wages for young people or like uh, sexual harassment or things like that. Like this generation is assessing everything we do, right? It's not like what we sell and what we uh, do uh, as a business company. So there's no differentiations there. Practicality, that's also something that... Uh, like media are sometimes not that good at, like we are so obsessed with delivering the context, right? That sometimes there's no, uh, we leave, uh, we tend to leave the the, the readers uh, or the, the users um, in this place where they don't know what to do with this, the, the overwhelming message, right? So there's no like take action button or something like this. And yep. when we look at what dating apps or uh, uh, are doing, like what uh, companies that are building financial products are doing, health uh, products are doing, or even like what, you know, like uh, book talkers are doing, you, everything is a life hack because it gives you like 
instant satisfaction. You just spent 10 seconds or I don't know, two minutes on something and it delivered you value because you know how to do something or what to think about something, right? I think life hack is a brilliant example, uh, Danusa, <laughs> yeah. because it is exactly what you just said. It's a, it's a short, normally punchy video that speaks directly to the audience in a in an authentic way. And it gives them something very practical, some practical agency after watching it. You can now implement that in how you cook your evening meals or how you spend, how you budget for your weekly shop or, or any kind of practical element. So I think that's a brilliant yeah. example. And it's very close to the solution journalism trend. Like, you know, instead of uh, covering in a very general way, like companies that are practicing greenwashing, you can... Uh, uh, instead of that, you can, in the form of like one minute uh, video or a shorter one, uh, teach people how to uh, read the um, yeah the labels on the products or things like that, right? Where to look for information about how the the companies are really um, implementing their sustainability policies. Sometimes it's like it's very easy, and this is something that really uh, not only gives, uh, as I said, like provides this instant satisfaction, but also uh, forms citizenship, right? In a way, uh, and absolutely, media have like uh, credibility in that area. So, uh, like, there's a, a big opportunity to to grow in, in in this discipline. Yeah, I love a good life hack. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I saw one. I know this is silly, but I saw one that's just like how to fold your duvet into your pillowcase, and I've been doing that ever since I watched that video. But I think the the lesson there is very much, you know, if you can provide something that speaks to them in their language in a way that gives them practical agency, they'll take that with them and then implement it into their lives. And you know what surprises me, Jacob? Because the, the thing that surprises me very often is that we talk about it like it was a new thing, but actually like what we loved about the the media product served by, I don't know, the, the, the New York Times, the New Yorker, BBC, and like all these like, you know, legacy brands was the composition. So the right amount of like this and that, like something practical, something funny, something entertaining, educating, and in, informative and uh so it's not something that um is a new idea it's just kind of moved to social media and w what we are left with is the negative narrative about the the doomsday right it is social media and other digital services that are shaping the expectations of young audiences news is frankly, just another genre of content in the digital media ecosystem. News brands therefore need to play by those rules now, rather than waiting around for news consumers to mature. When you look at what content seems to resonate with young people in particular on social media, clear outcomes emerge. Memes, wholesome content and life hacks are all popular, well understood terms. People like them because they provide distraction, enjoyment and practical value. News isn't so different in how it can cater for different wants and needs. Humour and irony are also powerful tools on social media which help to explore more serious topics. But that too, when you think about it. I see them as tools. Like tools to like break the ice and prepare your audience to deliver something sometimes more serious. And I was thinking a lot about that during the uh, the first phase of the invasion of Russia and Ukraine, because uh, like, you, you know, I live in Warsaw and there were uh, like masses of people escaping Ukraine. And as uh, horrible as their situation was, 
But I remember how uh, often they were sharing also with like our friends uh, in Poland, like hosting them in in, uh, in their apartments, like, you know, fun content, like memes about what's happening at the front, like in the field, like what's happening with uh, in the um, in the Russian military and so on. So like, well, that's what I was going to say, Danuta, for a long time, humor and irony has been a way to make difficult news quite easy easier to consume right we've seen like satirical journalism for example do this for a very long time and this is kind of like a, a social media equivalent exactly and helps us like defend our sanity <laughs> defend our sanity correct yeah it's like what we're uh, as a media industry are sometimes like diminishing like the the reason we're diminishing it is just because it always slipped our hands right like it moved somewhere else and we're left with the negative content like that's how I, I see it. Like I, I hear uh, journalists like sometimes talking in a like a little bit ignorant uh, way about this lighthearted uh, content. And I, I think you see a lot of this humor and irony and lighthearted humor in a lot of what would you say progressive subjects that are emerging on social media. Yeah. You know, you take something like neurodivergence, which I think you could say is a progressive topic when there's greater right. awareness on it. And you see a lot more now on social media advice slim content and also humor just to say, you know, it's kind of memes about this. And it's a way of serving both, you know, to make it easier to consume, but also pe giving people like practical life advice and content on this subject. Absolutely. And um, yeah, what I think uh, resonates with uh, the youth is uh, that these uh, topics and you know testimonies are delivered in a very personal way mm -hmm. second it is very often very pragmatic and this is something uh like a universal observation about uh, this generation's needs like uh like approach to like spending money approach to like public services and sometimes it's about nuances like uh, I'm, I'm a millennial you're the you're a millennial and i think there wouldn't be this uh like very a fresh approach uh, to like our bodies uh to gen z uh, like of gen z's like body neutrality without the body positivity trend from like 15 years ago 10 years ago uh so right now being the best version of yourself sounds a little bit provocative and pushy right uh, but that opened the door for these uh, young people right now to be even more progressive and be like, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just body neutral, right? Like no matter if I'm satisfied with my body or not, I don't know what the best version of myself is because I'm constantly exploring, right? So the, the point here is that the skill of the future that uh, Gen Z and Gen Alpha are learning every day is enjoying the chaos right? This is a, an epic topic, enjoying the chaos, enjoying the exploration, enjoying like the times that are constantly changing. You, you mentioned hustle culture and it's like, of course, like don't get too dependent on your work because uh, that's the learning that comes from their observation. You can't get, because they've seen so many layoffs or like parents burnt, completely burnt out of their work, right? So, but what is, what's better? The better approach to them, it's very pragmatic, is to learn many different skills and kind of juggle between all of them. And at the same plus, have some fun on the go. Yeah. 
I think what's really fascinating is when you start to link their values to the content that resonates with them. So I think you speak very well in your report about how young audiences face financial nihilism, but at the same time are quite willing to invest and spend on luxury items. Meanwhile, this hustle culture seems to do quite well. So you can kind of read across the lines and see, well, this is something they value. No wonder this content works well for them. Yeah, and it goes down even to uh, the the very like you know technical expectations, <laughs> like that, like like uh, say they prefer instead of like calling the call center, and it's been covered in the in the report, mm-hmm. calling the call center or uh, or report something that is not working with your service to like manage it something by themselves in the app, like. Everything is very like should be like personal so that I feel like as a user that I'm in charge of my things, my money, my uh, my everything. Right. So I guess that after uh, the last, I would say, uh, roughly like two decades of like making the consumer very uh, detached from everything that is happening, right? Like I can't fix my car because it's too electronic, right? Fulfilled yep. with electro- uh, electronics. Like I can't uh, invest my money because like, you know, the financial products are getting so complicated. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm just like, you know, sitting uh, at home uh, and just, you know, dependent on so many people to fix something for me these these young people uh, this is how i see it the, the, these young people are uh like their reactionary <laughs> uh response is to like um get back some influence on what's happening with me right yeah so, um, this is this is such a core generational divide because you've, you've alluded to it i'm a millennial only by a few years but for me, I would always want to pick up the phone and, and call someone to fix something. I don't know about, I don't know if you're any different. I, do, I don't trust that it's going to be solved unless I'm speaking to another human. And this is just a completely different, I suppose, expectation of a Gen Z or a Gen Alpha person. And it's just, it's fascinating to see how yeah mindsets have changed. Although there are some elements of the, you know, Gen Z value chain that I do, you know, really appreciate and understand as well. So, you know, pick and choose a little bit i suppose yeah like um we try to avoid um too many like simplifications uh, around like gen z and generations of course um there are some things that are emerging and you we just see them and they're uh different and uh, but our approach was to highlight some trends and solutions that are shaping economic trends say economic trends for everybody young adults are insightful source of inspiration because they are the first to adapt it right but uh like so they were the first to adapt say like um e-banking right yeah but uh after all or tiktok right but now you you see people of from like belonging to every generation on tiktok it's just so it's not some like they're just the first uh beacons let's say right these learnings are universal. You just need to like, you know, put this your filter on it depending on what you want to uh, address. Okay. So for our audience listening in, you know, people working in newsrooms and working in media companies, what's the need to know? What do they need to know about Gen Z and their behavior patterns, their values, their interests? What sets them apart from older generations in particular? What are the things that they really need to understand? I know it's a big question, but 
pick out pick out a few for me that you think are really top of the list yeah and yeah like i really wanted to you know avoid saying things that are already like obvious but uh, there are some uh things that uh i think uh publishers underestimate <laughs> it's like say how they use searches for content like after you know uh, i don't know 10 years of the effort efforts put into upskilling the newsrooms to be strong in seo for instance right we discovered that uh, gen z and alpha they don't look for uh information at all in google Google search, I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, now again, now we need to like learn a new skill. To me, like this really hit me hard. TikTok to them is like Google to me. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at the statistics for uh, this particular generation, in some countries, it's like 80% of what they look for is on TikTok. Like they, they never get to search. Like, so of course, it doesn't mean like SEO is not important, uh, quite the opposite. The universal truth would be also a cliche, like you can't have like one yeah audience engagement tactic, right? Like it depends on your audiences and you have like many audiences. Much was said about the the need for like short formats and so on. But um, we know that they like if they trust uh, the source and if the content is interesting they are absolutely uh, capable of uh, watching or reading something very long it's just the hook you need to like hook them in the beginning so it's more about tactics than the the content itself uh, but you did say that young audiences are perhaps the most skeptical cohort that we've ever faced so how do you win them over yeah, I love the quote from one of the experts. I don't have it in front of my uh, eyes, but uh, go <laughs> go and read the report. But he said that uh, basically uh, skepticism and uh, even suspicion is the survival skill for them. Right. Because you can't trust not only the institutions or uh, sometimes your friends, you can't trust your own eyes and ears with AI, right? So it's... Um, yeah, like uh, to to them, it's like a very basic reactionary response to how the world looks like, like the world around them. So, so their guards are always up, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Lisbeth and I, we are both um, like specializing in subscriptions. Uh, so we are we were also very interested in like how the youth approaches subscriptions. So what we discovered is that they are comparison consumers, right? That uh, when it comes to free trials, uh, it's not enough for them. They like things like uh, discounts, free items don't work for them. Like they, uh, uh, they pay attention to product features more than older generations. So even if your content is brilliant, but it's not easy to navigate they will just uh leave it and may not give you a second chance right that's interesting that goes back to what you were saying about their expectations and how they've been shaped by the brands so they've become subscription savvy because they're so used to yeah. high quality from other products yeah so they are much less likely to come to your sites or apps intentionally right so you need to be social first and their loyalty is conditional they adopted subscription hopping they learned that from streaming videos streaming audio brands um so uh when they don't use your product then they just cancel it but until next time they may come back they're not lost forever interesting 
yeah so you can regain their their trust and so on so it's it's not definitive so um it's absolutely fascinating because um what they're voicing through their behavior these things are very often uh important also for older generations like like uh we already discussed like this is it's they just serve as beacons because we're talking up here about like intensity of a trend right that's super interesting um i think the, the the final question for me would be you know after having done all of this is there any clear picture on what compels young audiences to pay for products because that's kind of the that's kind of the bottom line isn't it that a lot of people will be caring about if you're going to build products for them that they love how do you then get them to buy into it i genuinely think that uh if the consumers especially the young consumers but in general consumers feel that uh, if their good is your priority they will like understand that and in many cases i see it's we just declare that but at the end of the day we are much more focused on digital transformation or things like that which is important but it's just a tool and not the end goal right so uh and that's what we can learn from uh, many uh, companies that are uh, evolving in a way that uh, we call it a feedback loop right everything they do they implement on the technical side but also on the consent side on the service side it doesn't mean that we should cover everything they want of course not but uh like these people are not that different they're not they they know what to expect from media so um yeah it's very much about delivery and uh real dedication and you can't really diagnose what they need without having them on board which is another uh big topic but um like the the situation is changing to uh the better yeah i love the idea that making their good your business priority uh as as a real starting point is i think a really good takeaway there listen this has been a fascinating conversation i could be here for another 30 minutes but we're sadly out of time but uh Danuta, thanks ever so much for coming onto the podcast and speaking with me really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me and um have a good read everybody we've covered a lot of ground today but if i learned one thing it's that a lot of the trends and behaviors we talked about isn't exclusive to gen z Spend enough time on digital platforms or on social media and you too will start to pick up on the many conveniences on offer. How easy is your newsletter to sign up for compared to one on Substack? How easy is it to pull up the news on your website or app compared to TikTok? How easy is it to cancel your subscription compared to Netflix? I think that's the point of today. Pause for thought that news brands cannot lag too far behind the quality of life features seen elsewhere in the digital media ecosystem, which, like it or not, they are a part of. But what did you take from today? Find me on Twitter slash X at JPG Journalism or email me on jacob at journalism.co.uk. You can check out all of our other episodes on all your usual podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search and subscribe to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.